So, as, as we've been teaching on Wednesday night now, this is the third week, gave a, a little review of what we were going to teach over the next few months on Wednesday. <clears throat> as, I've, as I've been challenging you to um, as I've been challenging you with vision for the revelation of leaving the 99 and going after the one, and, and as we've, you know, so much that we've shared on that since January, as, I, as, I've, as I've talked to you about the importance of, of a whole group of people realizing that our lives are here on this planet for duplication. And we've got to come out of our comfort zone. And, I, and, I, and I, I've used the example of the 99 when the, when the shepherd left the 99. It doesn't, that, that's not politically correct. You don't leave 99 in the wilderness where there's a bunch of wolves and go after one, right? But there's something, there's something prophetic about it for each individual person because all of us are created to have a heart, a shepherd's heart for individual people. Whether you're called to be a five-fold ministry under-shepherd or pastored as my wife and I are, whether you're called to do that or not, you, everybody's called to have a heart for people, to have a shepherd's heart for people. And, and when, when we all do it, and we all get on board, and we're all looking for one. Notice the shepherd didn't go out and just kind of, well, I don't know, I didn't find one. <clears throat> I, I didn't find No, he, he searched until he found him. And he found that one, and he threw it on his neck, and there was more rejoicing in heaven over one coming in than all the 99. More rejoicing. So as I've been sharing that with you, and then talking about the importance of relationship and this whole year in 2013 as we cast vision for it that's what we're here to do is to go learn to go after people especially when we have something that other people need you, you understand it, it, it there's there's more to it than just the numbers of people it's what individual people need we need to have the goods so we can give the goods to other people and then when we go after one, we develop a relationship with them. And, and the next level and step is to connect in different groups of people as that thing will evolve in our body o- over the next few months. And, and the importance of that, the importance of that is that f- people feel welcome and that people feel like they're a part of something. One, one, one of the reasons that, that the occult and, and different groups of people uh, one of the reasons that different groups of people without the revelation of God in the Word of God grow is because they create family environment. And there's so many people today on planet Earth that don't feel like they're a part of anything. So many people. And we've got to create an environment through relationship. Through relationship. We've got to create an environment where people feel welcome. Amen? People have to feel welcome. And when people feel welcome, then they begin to feel accepted. And when a person feels accepted in spite of issues or problems in their life, that's where they begin to make changes. See, in the church, I, you know, I think the church took a bad rap for this, but I mean, I know there was a lot of it, but there was, it wasn't 
it wasn't everywhere, and it wasn't everybody in the church. But, but you know, the, the church for years spent too much time, you know, trying to clean the fish before they caught it. Well, if you get it right, then you can come in, you know. If you get things all right in your life, and, and I, don't, I don't necessarily think the church did as much as they were accused of where that's concerned, you know, but they did. But somehow people got that mentality. You know, all my family today is born again. I got born again first, so I was like the patriarch of my family. But, you know, all of us had really dysfunctional lives, and we were going in so many different directions. But when I got born again and I began to minister to my family, they had that mentality. Well, but I do this, and but I do this, and but I do this, and I got this issue, and this issue, and that issue. And, and it took longer to try to convince them that God loved them the way they were, you know. And, and really, if we'll do that with, with people around us, the more we spend time with people and, and in, in different types of relationship, sometimes we gravitate towards people that like what we like. And a lot of times God wants you to step out of your comfort zone and, and, and just, be, just be nice to people. You don't have to preach at them. Man, if you just be nice to them, they'll be drawn to you because most people aren't nice to most people. Now, that's, I'm not talking about you. You know, I'm talking about the rest of the world. But most people are not nice to most people. They're nice to people that are nice to them. But the Bible says there's no profit in that. You've got to exercise your faith and be nice to people that aren't nice. I know that stepped on somebody's toes tonight. You're thinking about the guy you cussed out today. Anyway, you realize Christians cuss and they cuss people out. You didn't know that? Anyway, okay, here we go. So, so what, we've been do, what we're doing on Wednesday night, and I'm just doing a little review here, but what we're doing on Wednesday night is building foundation. And most people in the body of Christ, I'm talking about in the church, most people have not had foundation laid in their hearts. Most people can't even... It, it, it freaks them out to think about leading somebody to Jesus, most people. Now, I'm not talking about most of you. I'm talking about most people that I've met in the church world. The thought of, of, of helping someone come to a place where they can get born again to really understand that themselves, they don't even have the foundational understanding. They accepted Jesus in their own heart, but so many people, it just kind of stopped right there. They never grew. So they had this born-again experience but they didn't have much development going after that. And so what we're doing in tonight, last Wednesday night and tonight and in the weeks ahead is we're laying foundation. And I've, give, I've given you five steps that have to do with foundation that I think are vitally important that we have to have faith in. And last week, it was about having faith about being in Christ. And we talked about any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, everything is brand new. There was a day, if you're born again today, there was a day that that scripture became reality, the day you got born again, that everything is passed away, and every, now everything is brand new. But that's something that we've got to experience every day of our life, because there's an enemy out there, and he's going to try to talk you out of that. Well, you know, man, you're born again. Somebody that's born again doesn't cuss. Man. 
you said some ugly word, and you, you know, what are those people going to think about you? And what about this and that? See, we get so hung up, people have, have been so sin conscious and get so wrapped up in the mistakes that they've made that they can't ever get free of anything. See? But, but any man that's in Christ, old things are passed away and everything is brand new. Old things are passed away and everything is brand new. Everything. Wow. I don't know how, but this is the way it is. That doesn't make natural sense, but he said it. We have to have faith in that. So every day that you experience something or something comes to your mind and tells you you're a loser, or you're no good, or you're not qualified, or any of those other kind of things, you got to be able to have enough goods to cast those thoughts down and accept what Jesus did. And we've got to know that. And I can tell you that standing up here, but you've got to research it yourself, and it's got to go from your head to your heart. Amen? So this last week we talked about it, and we ended, we ended with Romans 6, and I think I mentioned to you that we were going to go into one of the five foundations is, is water baptism and understanding, and I think I told you we're going to go into that, but we're not. We're going to talk tonight, just for the next few minutes, about having faith for true repentance, what true repentance looks like and having faith for it. But I ended with Romans 6, 8, and it says, now, if we died with Christ, we believe we also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him, and if it doesn't have dominion over him, then death doesn't have dominion over us. We have to define death. But that's in our water baptism message. But I told you last week we were going to pick up right here, and I'm telling you that we're not. We're going to do that next Wednesday, okay? So tonight, we're going to look at what true repentance is. Now, the first five years that I was born again, it seems like, whether consciously or unconscious, you know, uh, I saw the word repentance as a bad word. That meant I was bad. If you have to repent, then you're bad. Oh my gosh, I got to repent. But the only reason was because I was, it was growing and I was learning to understand what it is. And now, now, it's like I kind of wear it like a, like a six-gun. I, I can repent all the time, 50 times a day, and it won't hurt me. It won't give you cancer. It's not a bad thing. So, let's just look and define a little bit what the Bible says about repentance. First, I'm going to give you two or three definitions. Repentance is defined as a person who feels remorse or regret. A person that has such regret that they change their mindset and their thinking. A person that has such remorse or regret that they make changes in their life. To feel regret for the past, to refuel, another definition is to feel regret for past conduct 
and seek to change one's life for the better. I'm just going to give you those one more time. So we're talking about what true repentance is, and we have to have faith for repentance for it to work, okay? To feel remorse or regret, to have such regret that you change your mindset or your thinking, and to feel regret for past conduct and seek to change one's life for the better. So when a person steps into, they step into a place of true repentance, then they personally have remorse for past conduct that causes them to seek for the power to change so that the past conduct doesn't keep repeating itself. I don't know, I think that sounds pretty good, right? How many, don't raise your hand, but how many have had some past conduct that you're not proud of? And I don't know about you, but one of the most frustrating things in my life is when I had past conduct that wasn't any good that I couldn't get rid of. Dad, come on, I did it again. I said it again. I acted like that again, and I didn't want to, but then somebody had to remind me of it, and then I wanted to slap them. Hmm? I wanted to slap him and get on top of him and, 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 and so mad and angry, but really what I'm mad and angry about is the fact that I didn't get over it. But then somebody else pointed, me, pointed it out instead of me being able to just admit it myself, but probably I wouldn't have admitted it. Just kind of sweep it. See, a lot of times what happens is we're sorry for being caught. And sorry isn't good enough. It's not enough just to be sorry that somebody knows I did something wrong. What we want is we want true remorse of the heart to where, to where what happens is I'm so in the Word and so making the Word a part of my life that my life begins to turn. See, because true repentance is to turn from what you're doing and go in a totally opposite direction. True repentance is to turn from it, but you don't have, you and I don't have the ability to turn from anything. That's why I said earlier, you know, I used to think, you know, I could never come to God because of where, I, where my life was. And, and if, if the church of today, if the church of Jesus Christ doesn't get this one, this one thing, that you will never cause someone to come to a place in themselves of desiring to repent and turn and change their life. You'll, a person will never come there apart from the kindness of God. So that means that the kindness of God which is an attribute of the love of God, has to be working inside of you, and you've got to be practicing it all the time. If you're unkind a dozen times in the day, you should have been repentant a dozen times in the day. Well, you know, I, I repented, but it just doesn't work. No, 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 just keep at it. Just keep doing it. Just stay with it. Why? Because you're in a habit, you're in a mindset, 
sometimes a stronghold has a hold of your life and you're making the change and it's turning. You ever seen a big cruise ship in the waters and they're going and all of a sudden the captain says, oh, wrong way. I mean, you don't turn a big cruise ship like that, right? The rudder of that ship begins to turn and they turn it a little at a time and a little at a time and a little at a time and a little at a time. Anybody know how long it would take to turn a ship in water as it's moving to go the other way? Would it take all day to turn a ship like that? Half a day? I don't know. Five hours? A long time. You know, if you're in some little speedboat, you just turn it and go the other way. And that's what happens. We've been in these speedboats, see, and, and, and uh, you know, we're sorry we got caught and, and we appear to be turning the other way, but what happens is you go a little ways and then you turn back and go the other way. But when true repentance is being developed on the inside, you turn and you stay with it and you don't give up and one day you realize, I've changed my conduct, I'm going the other way. Why? Because you're empowered by God in the change. You couldn't change anything. With God, we can do, without God, we can do nothing, but with him, we can do everything. There's not anything we can't do. Now, I'm just going to give you a few verses that I want you to think about and meditate on. I don't have a lot of time. I've got about 15 minutes, and I want to give these to you. And if I don't finish this, we'll, pick, we'll finish the rest of this and then into the baptism next week. But, but I want to take enough time on a few of these verses where you have something to think about and meditate on. I don't care if you've been born again for 50 years, or you've been born again for a week. I'm telling you, you need to meditate on these things and know that you're developing faith for this strong foundation of what true repentance is. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. Hebrews 6 and verse 1. Now, uh some of you are looking at me thinking, he's pretty bold to go right here, you know, because there's a lot of different controversy about what this says. But I got the mic, and I'm going to tell you what I think about one piece of it, and we're not talking about nothing else, amen? We can talk about a lot of other things at other times, but <clears throat> there's, there's a couple things I just want to drag out of these first eight verses. Therefore, verse 1, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. That word perfection is maturity. That word perfection is something that Jesus is and you're not. But he's the mark, and so we get more like him every day as we learn what we're talking about tonight. Watch this. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of the eternal judgment. Sound like the five things that we're talking about in foundational teaching? Yeah. And this we will do if God permits, or if God says, you got the other down. 
For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned up. Now, I said all that just to pull a couple things out of this, this passage here. There's a lot of things we're not saying here, but it's good for you to go read. Amen? Here's what I want to say. <clears throat> The foundational truths of God have to be intact for you to go on. Foundational truths have to be established for you to be able to take new steps into new things. The deal with with foundational development is that there are many attacks that come against us to try to get us to think that this is a waste. But in our little story of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, we can see that that 10-foot foundation for that eight-story tower, that bell tower, was not near enough, and had they taken the foundation serious, the bell tower to this day could be fulfilling the purpose it was created for. But because the foundation was weak, and the bell tower began to sink and begin to lean, see? Then today, that bell tower, all the bells had to be removed, all the equipment had to be removed because it was too heavy and it was causing it to continue to sink because they never went back and redid the foundation. And I'm just telling you today that we can go on if God says you can go on. If God tells you and reveals to you that foundation is true and you know how to repent, then you can press on. But when we don't know how to repent from past stuff, we can't go on because he knows that past stuff is going to hound you down the road. And it's going to hold on to you and then you're going to maybe, you're going to begin to prosper and good things are going to happen and you're not going to be able to handle it because you don't know how to repent. See what repent repentance is, is having real remorse to a place that you can make changes in your life that you really want to make, but you feel like you got no power to do it. God set it up for us, man. I'm telling you, he he set it up for us. He's given us everything we need. We just got to play by the rule book. You understand? So we see here the importance that if God permits, and what that means is, If, as you're connected to the Holy Ghost and He reveals to you, you've got some things and you can press on, a person with foundation never forgets it. I tell you, the people in Pisa, they've got to be foundation people today. And they realize how their, their bell tower has not been able to do what it was created to do. And they first started building that thing in 1198. And it's still standing, but everybody comes by to see. You know how everybody wants to watch the shows on TV like of the movie stars that have made mistakes? 
you know, not too many people flock to the, the reports about how great everything's going in another person's life. But man, you find out somebody's had an affair and somebody's done this and my gosh. And those people are that got real popular and they had no stuff on the inside. And now they're these leaners and these sinkers. And everybody wants to talk about them and everybody who's interested in what they're doing and all this kind of stuff. And if they'd have built a foundation, they could have handled the pressure that's out there. I heard a story one time of a guy talking about that in a submarine, there's a certain amount of pressure in the submarine that has to be set at a certain pressure setting so that it can handle the pressure from the outside. Because if the pressure's not set right on the inside, then the pressure from the outside is going to cause the sub either to sink or leak or whatever it is that it would do. And I thought, you know, that's the deal. We have to be people that have enough going on on the inside to be able to handle the pressure that's coming against us so we continue. And when we lay that foundation, then we can move on. But most people don't even know what foundation is. And that's why we're talking about it. Can you say amen? Okay. Like I said, we didn't touch much in that verse. John 3, 3. <clears throat> John chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's not where I want it. That's a wrong verse. I wrote it down wrong. Anyway, what the verse I wanted was, that I had, was that John the Baptist came to preach repentance to do what? To prepare the way of God. To prepare the way of the Messiah and the Anointed One. What true repentance does is it prepares the way for God to not just be the Savior of your life, but the Lord and the one in control of your life. Don't forget that. Amen? Matthew 4 and verse 17. So, well, that's what it was. It was Matthew 3. 3. So it's Matthew 4, 17. So the, the verse before there was Matthew 3, 3, if you're going to go look at it. And in Matthew 4 and verse 17, from that time, Jesus, after, as Jesus began his earthly ministry, from that time... Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What was he saying? What was he saying? Begin to have remorse for past things so that you can be prepared and ready for the kingdom of heaven coming into you. The day you got born again, you repented for your past, you accept Jesus into your heart, Old things are passed away, and behold, everything is brand new. But I'm telling you, your mind doesn't think that way. Your mind telling you, was that even true? Kind of like, you know, if, you, if you've ever been a drinker and you went out and drank and you did all this stuff and had this great time and you said a bunch of things that you really didn't mean and you wake up the next morning and it's like, did I really mean that? And that's what the enemy wants you to think that being born again is like. Did I really mean what I said? Does, that, does anything really happen? I mean, I didn't see anything. I didn't get any goosebumps. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I mean, I, I'm not even sure that anything actually really happened. 
That's what he wants to convince you, see? But Jesus said, repent and be ready. Begin to allow your heart to be opened because the kingdom of heaven is entering in. Amen? 2 Corinthians 7. Just a couple more verses tonight. 2 Corinthians 7. Second Corinthians seven and verse eight. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry through only though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry but that your sorrow led to repentance. And like I said earlier, it's one thing to be sorry, but it's another thing to have true remorse. And that's what that word means right there. The sorrow or remorse led to repentance, he said. Watch, watch this. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow, watch this, godly remorse and sorrow produces repentance leading to what? Salvation. And the word salvation there means to be absolutely whole. It doesn't just mean the initial getting born again. The word salvation in the Greek is the word soteria, and it means to be made whole. Spirit, soul, and body, that you are a whole individual. And when a person understands repentance, it leads them to a place of wholeness in their thinking. You can be born again and be the biggest loser on the planet because your mind has never been renewed to know who you are in Him. And that old things are passed away and everything is brand new right now today. You wake up tomorrow morning, that'll be the first thing out of your mouth. I challenge you to let the first thing when your eyes open up. It's a new day. Old things are passed away and everything is brand new today. You understand? We've got to be people that think like this because what it does, what that does, it opens our eyes and leads us to a place of being able to admit that we're wrong about something and have remorse and it empowers you to make the change. One of the things that the love of God isn't is it's not rude. But you are. You are. I'm not going to even qualify that. I'm saying you are. I'll just I'll qualify it by saying this. When is the last time you were rude? Love of God's not. Love of God is not rude. Well, you know how you get rid of that rude thing? Admitting that you were wrong no matter what the other person did? Repent for it? And if you have to do it 900 more times, you do it 900 more times until the ship is turned. Yeah! Right? 
And, 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 and then we got the goods. Yeah, but Pastor, you don't know how much it was their fault. Talk to the hand. Talk to God. I know, I mean, I, I, listen, I, I, if, if I've said that once, I've said it I don't know how many times. Yeah, but God, you don't know what they did. You don't know what you did. And if you'd fix her, then I can get right. I'm not talking about my wife. You, know. <laughs> you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you fix her, you know, then I can get right. No. You're going to wait till hell freezes over because it ain't going to happen. God is changing you from the inside out. Hmm? So, the reason there's no repentance, get this, as I end, the, end with this next verse, this next four verses. No. Uh, the reason there's, no, there's not real heartfelt repentance is because we don't understand it because there's no foundation. If you're not strengthening and making sure your foundation is right, they tell you during heat, hot times, when there's a lot of heat and you're going through some battles, they tell you to water your foundation, right? Keep it from cracking. Water it down. Huh? Put the water of the word on it when you're going through some heated times. Huh? Man, there have been some times in my 35 years of salvation, there have been some heated times. There have been some times when it was like, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Throw it in. No, just heat. Just water it down with the word. What happens is, you get empowered, and most of the time when you want to throw in the towel, is because of things you don't want to change. Romans 2.4, don't forget it. Romans 2.4. Romans 2.4. The kindness of God leads a man to repentance. The kindness of God leads a man to repentance. Right? The kindness of God is what leads and moves a person and Turn, begins to turn a person. The kindness, not the judgment of God, the kindness of God, not, not the wrath of God. Huh? Who did that crud? I mean, shut up. Get over yourself where other people are concerned. And that kind of, I mean, I mean, it's the kindness of God. So develop kindness in you. Get rid of the rude self that you are at times. And, and then you're empowered to do right. And you're not thinking about other people. And then, remember, the, write this down if you're taking notes. Acts 3, 19 and 20. What comes from repentance? Ah, we've got to read it, and I'll end. I wasn't going to read it, but I am now. Because it's too good. Acts 3 and verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins be blotted out. Watch this, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Man, I just feel dry. Right there. You want to be refreshed? Repent. <laughs> you want to be refreshed? Repent. No, no. 
No, understand repentance. Understand some of the things that you're struggling with that you need to repent for. Begin to understand the whole dynamic and what is really involved there and how God wants to liberate you and free you based on some of the things that we're saying tonight. Verse 20, and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. Amen? That Jesus Christ and the revelation of who he is be administered to the inside of you through repentance and these times of refreshing that come when, when man... What I'm telling you today is, what what, what I'm saying to you is this. God is giving you the license tonight to be wrong. And every place that you have to be right, I'm just saying, just think about it. Well, you know, if I do that, they'll take advantage of me. The more you read about how they took advantage of Jesus, in fact, all the people that said they were with him, they all left him. All of them. All of them. All of them. Not just, not just a few, all of them. I'm telling you tonight, Jesus was taken advantage of over and over and over again so that you could be liberated and free. And what it says to you is that There may be some times when it seems like somebody took advantage of you, but because of what God was telling you to do and leading you in, not only will it strengthen and empower you, but many times it will set other people free. Man, I can tell you the great, I could stand up here for literally for the next two hours and give you testimony after testimony of things that have happened when I laid my will down. And I took up what his plan was because his plan is always to not only deliver me, but deliver people around me. But somebody's got to be spiritual and rise up. And all I'm saying is, we got to build foundation, keep laying foundation. And remember, your ship will turn if you stay with it. It'll turn. It'll turn. It'll turn. It'll turn. And one day you'll find yourself walking in a totally different direction. I'm walking in some directions I never thought I'd walk in, ever.